But that's why you listen to J-R-A. They teach you the way, and they can explain why. Brought to you by Maple Syrup Flavor. Hello and welcome to episode 21.5 of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. If you're wondering... 21.5? What does that mean? If you're wondering how in the hell you can get half of an episode, I'm here to tell you, brother. This one's all about questions. Kenny's not with us because it's a weeknight and our schedules don't work during the week. Sunday is our only day to record, but we've had a mother load, like, I can't take any more loads, brother, of questions. (laughs) She said that. And... What we're going to do is midweek, Andrea and I are going to sit down, knock out a couple of questions. You won't get Kenty's, Kenny's banter, but I mean, it's We better. can try our best to make witty one-liners. Maybe. We'll fail terribly. <laughs> we will. Uh, and that's it. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive uh, both feet first into this question right here. Jeff says, hey, Andrea, Matt, and Kenny, who's not with us. I was listening to your July 6th post-race tired podcast in which Andrea mentioned her interest in finding a sub-1600 gram carbon wheel set with 29 or 30 internal width rims. I wanted to share that I know of at least one that fits this description. It's the 27.5 Night Enduro wheel set. It weighs under 1600 grams, actual measured weight, and rides great. We did a comparison test of these night enduro was last year against NVM70s, Knox Farlow's Light Bikes, WM650BC05 Heavy Duty, the older symmetrical rim model chosen for its sub thousand dollar price point, versus Stan's flows, which are wheels as an alloy benchmark. Ugh, it's an easy benchmark to blow out of the water when your fucking rims crack all the time. Well, just the MK3s, the old ones didn't. MK3 is the new one. I know, the old ones didn't crack. Right? Yeah, but the new one, if that's the benchmark, then, well, you know. I'm just assuming he's considering I, the, I'm old just one being, to be the benchmark. He says versus Stan's Flow MK3. Oh, okay. I didn't hear the MK3. Part. You didn't listen. I can say that the night wheels have a great ride feel, combining compliance and comfort close to that of the alloy Stan's Flows with a higher degree of lateral stiffness. The carbon wheel comparison test is posted at, and I'm not going to read this out loud because that's not how URLs work. I'm interested in hearing your feedback on what wheel comparison test, along with other tire comparison tests, posted on our product reviews page. Keep up the great work you guys are doing. Constantly learning something new from your show. Thanks and happy trails. Jeff from Dirt Merchant Bikes. And I'll post a link to Jeff's stuff with the show. So do you want to talk about what you ordered and why? Um, I did order a set of Knox Composites Farlow rims on i9 hubs. Built with the uh, Sapim CX Ray spokes, I believe. It's the lightest ones they offer. Hubba hubba. Yeah. Uh, and they claim that that wheel set is it's like 1,570 grams or something. Um, I don't know exactly what hub configuration they're measuring um, when they say that. I basically call what I ordered a 1,600-gram wheel set. And if they're under that, that's... Just, I mean, that's just bonus. Um, so, you know, that's a 29 internal, so it's going to be the same width that I have now. Um, it will be a hookless bead, which I'm hoping is going to be a little less likely to pinch flat. Um, yeah, and and no one has posted repeated reviews on anywhere on the internet about Knox rims breaking. I mean, 
any rim you can break if you try hard enough. But um, I have seen in person some of the Bontrager wheels um, excessively reacting to rock hits. One pair. Yeah, a little Kenny's had the same experience. And that's basically been the experience of those wheels on the internet is that, um, sure, if you like ride them, if you were like gravel riding them, they'd be okay. But as soon as you start really mountain biking on them, um, they're subject to uh, implosion. So uh, that's why I went ahead and ordered some new wheels. Uh, I like Knox. They've, you know, as far as I can tell, they're a good company. Uh, Matt has had good experience with them in the past as well. So, uh, and I know hubs are really, uh, they're awesome. So that's what I got. I will report. They will be here on Wednesday next week. So a week from, well, I guess five days from today. A better way to put it is they will come after recording episode 22. Yeah. Maybe I'll have them for 22 and a half though. No, we don't cover our stuff in 20 in half episodes. All right. Okay, so <clears throat> Brett from the interwebs, I don't really have much to add about carbon wheels, so we're going to rally and rail into the next one. <clears throat> he says, Hardtail FS and goddamn SAG. That's his title of his email. By the way, if you send me an email that's like that and I didn't reply, sometimes, okay, we're not going to do this tangent right now. We'll get to it in a second. Uh, Jerry Ray, mostly Andrea. Well, fuck, I have a fuel okay. too. I heard you talking a couple episodes ago about your rear suspension gets too hot and it turns into a fucking hardtail. Yeah. This happens to me in big mountain areas like Shenandoah, Pisgah, and Oak Ridge, Oregon. Yeah. That happens. I don't think that's right. Oak no. Ridge, Oregon? Or Oak Ridge or places I've ridden on my Fuel EX 9.8. There are There is an Oak Ridge, No, Oregon, that is right. I heard that from uh, James. There's what? There is an Oak Ridge in Oregon. No, Sorry. This happens when I ride in big areas, big mountain areas like Shenandoah, Pisgah, and Oak Ridge, Oregon. Period. Places I've ridden my Fuel EX 9.8, period. Now the sentence makes sense. I hate when it happens. My question is, why did you, Andrea, stop riding your 9.9, and did the through shaft make a big difference with heat buildup like they claim? So I did not ride that bike enough to have really noticed... Um, if it made a difference, the through shaft was wonderful. I will say that. Um, and I think that if I had had one of the stock nine, nine colors, um, I probably would still be riding that bike because I, I did like it. Um, it didn't pedal quite as well through like chunky stuff as what I like. But, um, basically the reason I'm not riding it anymore is because the paint came off of the frame and I had one of the like upgraded paint jobs. The paint came off of the frame really easily. Like, I wrecked once, and it chipped some paint off, and I was like, oh, you know, that's fine. That's my fault. I wrecked. And then, like, some mud sat on the frame in the chainstay, and it took the paint off down to the carbon. And basically, anywhere something hard touched the frame, you could see the carbon. So they warrantied it with a new frame with the fancy paint job, and I didn't put it back together. Um, I bought a spot mayhem frame. Um, I love it. I like it better than the nine, nine just because of the way it pedals. And it's, it's, it's just an awesome bike in general, but, um, going back to the nine, nine. So I, I just didn't put it back together. Um, I've still got it in the box. I can't advertise it as for sale until I've owned it for a year. 
Um, or else Trek police will come after me. Trek says you can't sell it, but they can't make you ride the damn thing. Exactly. So I have a brand new 9.9 frame with a through shaft shock. The through shaft was great. And I mostly noticed it with small bump compliance, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't, I didn't get out. I had it in the wintertime and like the long descents, like the high country stuff here isn't rideable that time of year. So I, I didn't really have a chance to experience that part of it and give you any feedback. But, um, I will say I, I really did like the through shaft concept a lot. And I hope that it catches on and goes to other suspension, um, configurations. Okay. And my feedback on that is you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you anyways. I rode for a long time on Thursday, which was yesterday. And at three hours and 57 minutes into my ride, and this makes it'll, it'll make sense in a minute. 357 is a gun caliber. I looked at my clock. It said 357 and I dropped one of my gloves on the ground. I was very tired. I bend over, I pick my glove up, I put my two gloves on, I think I buttoned my shirt, and then I, it'll make sense in a second, and then I rolled into this trail. So at best, I've spent like 30 seconds, right? So even if we said I started at 3.57 on the nose, which I didn't, by 4.02, I had been descending for you know, at most five minutes. And let's say that my clock was about to click over to 4.03. Then I've descended for mostly at best six minutes. My bike was really stiff in the rear. tailing, like I call it. And the place that I notice it the most is, honestly, it's not in the really big stuff. It's in all the small stuff. When you're trying to lift your wheel and manual over... I say manual. You're more just like front wheel lifting. I mean, it's kind of manually, but like front wheel lift through a bunch of roots or ritz, as Parker <laughs> ritz. would call them, through the ritz crackers. Um, <laughs> or you're trying to like lift your front wheel over a rock and you know that you should be able to like hit the rear wheel on that same rock and tote the front wheel over the next rock. But your shock hits the first rock, your rear tire hits the first rock, and the shock isn't like supple enough anymore. And it kind of like knocks your front end down into that rock you thought you could like lift over. So, um, that's what I'm running into as well. But I think I just need a bigger shock. Anyways, we'll cover that more in the next show. So, part two is I'm a very intuitive bike feeler. I want to feel it. Um, and he says, heard you talking a couple episodes. Oh, sorry. Uh, I feel many things about suspension and bike setup. However, you're always referencing sag, which you never reference if you're standing, sitting, waiting the front end, leaning back, all things which make a difference in sag. What is the rule of thumb for body position and sag measurement? So. I would say it's slightly bike use specific. Um, I normally will measure my sag. I kind of do like I t- I'll check both. I'll check like standing in an attack position and I'll check s- seated like I'm climbing. Uh, but hands on the handlebars, um, ass on the seat, not all of my weight on the seat. I've seen some people check sag with someone like sitting on a saddle 
and without their hands like really touching the handlebars. And I don't think that's relevant to any riding situation, not much anyway. Um, I'd say if you had a bike that you were going to like downhill on or, you know, play enduro on, maybe really focus on like the attack position, like the position you're going to be in going downhill. If it's just your all around kind of trail bike, probably spend more time pedaling uphill. So, um, seated, uh, but still with weight on the handlebars, you know, you don't climb without weight on the handlebars, but I think a lot of people miss that when they check sag. And I think that's really the important part of checking sag is just, you know, trying to have a little bit of an even weight distribution. And I think, I think that attack position that like up out of the saddle. Um, so the path podcast, like a year ago referenced, one of the guys was talking about setting their suspension up for their breaking point, meaning like, I want my suspension to feel the best right when I want to start slowing down. Like I don't want to go any faster. Um, and I think that's really important when we discuss different customers and different bike uses for different suspension setups. So. When you talk about, uh, like Andrea says, play enduro, like if you have a customer that comes in, uh, I had this last week. I have a customer with a stump jumper six fatty, you know, so 27.5 by 3.0 tires. And we were talking about, I, I did a guide warranty on his brakes and I called him and I was like, Hey, your bike's all done. And he was like, that is amazing. I really appreciate that. And I was like, yeah, I would like to talk with you more when you get back because I don't like the way I said I didn't get to chat with you, but looking at your size, I think your suspension is set up pretty soft. So I'd love to get that firmed up for you and I'd love to make some adjustments. And he says, oh, I'll come in tonight if you're going to be there till close. So the guy comes in, long story longer, um, <laughs> he tells me I'm I'm trying to get a feel for what he's asking his suspension to do. So for those of you that aren't hip, bike has 150 in the front, 130 or 135 in the rear. Um, so pretty big bike. Stumpy's Stumpy. Stumpy's a like you could go full send on a stump jumper, um, no problem. I think it's an overloaded bike. It's fine. Um, Kenny likes his new stump jumper, great. But uh, I stand by it. Stumpy with a handlebar mounted remote lockout, it'd be let or eat. It rides great. So. Um, I asked him, what are you running for tire pressure? And he said, I'm running 10 in the front and 12 in the rear. Whoa. And I was like, okay. I said, you've never had any issues of burping the tire. You've never had any rim dents. And I'm just asking him questions that I know the answer to. Like the labels on the tires aren't scuffed. The tires look really mint. The rims Which, don't have any dents. What color stump jumper was? Did I? Is that the replacement you did or me? I did it all. Oh, okay. I That's did everything. That's why I don't remember it. So, um, like the brake pads still have the chamfered edge on them. Well, it was just like all really mint looking. So what I did is I was like, you know, I don't care what the air chart says. You're probably never going to use all the suspension. You're definitely not really digging deep into the bike. You're really, and I was explaining to him like what size jumps and things and this and that. And, you know, I often tell people, I'm like, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying like, I, I jump stuff this big. And like, he wasn't like condescending, but he was like, where do you find a place to get that high around here? And I'm like, well, yeah, there's just one spot I know of and whew, it, it's scary. So, um, but 
I go through and I rip all the tokens out of the fork because there's no way he's ever going to use all the travel, right? Like if you're running 10 PSI in the front tire and not burping the tire, you're not jamming the front end into stuff. You're not really bashing the bike around and set the fork up soft, auto sag the rear, did a little love on the command post and like sent him on his way. But like I, I had him do it in the attack position. But even for this customer, that attack position isn't really that aggressive where let's flip to me and I'm not the greatest rider in the world by any means. But if you put me in the attack position and you can picture like the hand motions I'm making right now, like when I go into the corner and I like push because I know that I can get a little traction on that root. Or if I lift the front tire like this, I can jam it behind this rock. And then it doesn't bounce over that rock and I have good traction as soon as I set it down behind that rock to turn and I'm going to jump this and uh, I might come up a little short and land in these rocks. Oh, fuck it. Whatever. You know, my attack position is so when I do those moves, the bike doesn't feel wildly unbalanced and out of control. What I'm having to give up, though, is the mid speed climbing the bike suffers so low speed climbing doesn't matter the bike rides like a hardtail because all the bumps you hit them so slow but mid-speed climbing you know i don't think high speed climbing is really a thing but mid-speed climbing and it's just a little harsh but other than that the fuel i'm super dialed on i know if we go back i said i didn't love it i spent a month on the hardtail pretty much and now the fuel is like the fucking dirt couch <laughs> it's amazing so it's got a dropper post. I got 40 more in the front. I got 130 more in the rear. I'm like, ah, damn, woo. You know? I do want to say a lot of people kind of get the attack position wrong. They think it's just standing on the pedals. Um, I think what a lot of people get wrong about the attack or like the position you want to be in when you're downhilling, you want to, the main goal is to lower your center of gravity. That's why you have a dropper post. It's not because, and that's why like before dropper posts were a thing, you had to get behind the saddle in order to get your ass lower. Get low when the whistle blow. So when there was a rigid post, you had to lift your ass up and put it behind the saddle in order to get your ass, which is a heavy part of your body, Hubba. lower than the saddle. So you say getting behind the saddle. And I, I hear people say that in the bike shop all the time. Oh, dropper posts are great because they let you get behind the saddle. It's it, not, that's not totally accurate. Really, the goal of the dropper post is to get the saddle out of the way so that you can lower your center of gravity. Someone should be able to rip the bike out from under you and you land on your feet, no matter what angle the bike is sitting, whether it's really steep downhill, really steep uphill. It's like doing a squat. So you're basically doing a squat. It's not getting behind the center of the bike or moving your ass back more though. That is a biomechanical side effect of lowering your center of gravity. That's probably the most scientific thing I've ever said on this show. Kids these days will never know the terror when your heart rate strap bounces off the tail of your saddle. Exactly. That, that is, is some, that is some full blown pucker. Getting, mode. getting your boobs crushed by your seat is not pleasant if we can have a moment of silence for all the tatas crushed by high posting exactly so yeah let's so the 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 attack position is lowering your center of gravity as much as you can because that's where you're most stable 
Uh, and that's what the that's what that's for. So think about that. A lot of people just think that it's standing on the pedals or getting behind the saddle or whatever. Um, your attack position is just that. You know, lower the dropper post, get in the position you want to be in with your center of gravity low, your elbows at you know ninety ish degrees. Um, you know, you're you're low. You're really low on the bike, and that's what a lot of people fuck up. And you're low when the whistle blows. So, Brett from the interweb wraps up his email. Thank you for your time and sacrificing your Leadville training for all of us royal pain in the asses. And those are Brett words, not my words. So, (laughs) thanks, Brett. Couldn't have said it better, homie. So, Michael has a question. He says uh, he wants to thank you for helping make my visit to Salt Lake City and Deer Valley a pleasurable experience. Um, We'll have to repeat that for you. Yeah. Uh, he says, I'm committing to a three-day, 200-mile charity ride this October, benefiting young women who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. The organization is called Young Survivors Coalition, another URL that will be posted with the show. It's uh, young sur- youngsurvival.org. I can read that. That's pretty easy. And the ride is the YSC Tour to Pink West. Whoa, Tour to Pink. Let's not. And then there's a URL I won't read aloud. While I am an avid mountain biker, my stable only consists of an extra-large Ibis Mojo HD3 and my backup XL Chain Reaction Hardtail Special, which is a Vitus Centier. That sounds scary. If I can find someone to loan me a road bike that I can train on and ride for the event, great. But otherwise, my plan is to grind it out on the hardtail. It's not a race, and my fitness level is good, but I'm still going to need to train for that many miles. Biggest day on the bike is about 40 miles and 5,300 feet of climbing. What kind of tires would you recommend I run for this purpose? They can be tubeless or tubed. I am fine committing to a slick style or a hybrid touring style as I don't plan to take these on dirt or gravel, but the current tractor tires this bike came with are just not going to cut it. If you think I'm crazy for doing this on a 140 mil Fort hardtail, I'm sure you'll give your opinion on that as well. Thanks for all your help and the many hours of entertainment and wisdom. All my best, Michael. Um, so I'm going to give you two answers to this. One is Schwalbe makes really, really amazing, goofy tires. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, like the Big Apple. They make a Big Apple. They're going to make like a, a Marathon Supreme or something. There's going to be tubeless options. They're going to have some sick tires. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to pop this open so I can pull a wheel size off this and then. I should have looked these tires up before we got going, but there's no way in hell I do anything like that. Is that a 27.5 plus tire? That's what I'm trying to look up right now. I don't know. Just looking at the picture. Well, I looked at the picture too, and you can't really. I just like can't read suddenly. Like my eyes are all tired. It's been a long day. It has Um, been a little bit long. Rims, tires are WTB. What about the tires? WTB. One thing you have to watch out for when you put slicks on mountain bike wheels, and I, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, most of the time, Grand Fondo, like, well, not Grand Fondo, but like group style rides like this, you're not going to be like road race pace. So that's all right. Um, your chain ring that you have on there might seem a little small at times. Um, if it's downhill to like flat with the tailwind. One thing people don't think about too much when they put slick tires on a mountain bike to ride on the road is tire pressure. Um, Some mountain bike rims are not made to handle a higher tire pressure, so you need to find out for sure, even if it's like calling or emailing WTB. um, 
find out what kind of tire pressure you can run with that rim because it's likely that the tire is going to have like a suggested pressure range that is outside of what your rim can handle. And I'm going to step in and wholeheartedly disagree because it is, I'm going to agree with Andrea, but then say how what she's warning you against is wrong. So <laughs> I'm not saying put road tires on this. I'm saying put a road pattern 27.5 by 2.3 tire on this. That is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Like, well, that, so yeah, that's what, that's what that I mean by sense. goofy tire. Like they have okay. something called like, uh, well, that pen or the WTV that you had on the, uh, the Crockett would work also wouldn't it no i want to go way bigger than that because this is a big guy big bike also by keeping a really big tire we keep the rollout the same and then by the way schwalbe your website's fucking trash yeah their website sucks um you want something like a big apple or a marathon plus tubeless or something like that like you want one of their touring tires and Marathon Supreme Goes Tubeless is an article, but it doesn't tell me any of the sizes it went tubeless in. Um, God, their website's just so bad. Yeah, I think slick tires are a very good idea. You know, if it's going to be for all just road and maybe like a little bit of, um, you know, like Cadillac gravel use, a slick tire is a really good tire to have. If you think you're going to ride some dirt, I would suggest the Schwalbe G1. That's the one I've been riding. Oh, they might make a G1 in that size. Yeah. That's what I'm I'm going to just log into Q. A much everyone QBP. People tell me that oh, you know how you, you just use QBP more so you are more comfortable driving their website. No, their website, their website is, is intuitive. Good. All out of all of the distributor sites that we have, QBP has the best most easily filterable, easy to find what you need site of everything. And if something is actually a little screwed up, like where if something doesn't show up when you filter it, if you just call them and you tell them, hey, this is screwed up, they change it. Dude, here we go. Schwalbe G1 speed 27.5 by 2.35 tubeless ready. The part number is tr 49 Eight four. That's TR, like tire TR. Four nine eight four. And there. I think that G one speed it has more slick center to it, doesn't it, than what I have? Get low when the whistle Yeah. Yeah. No, you have speeds. This doesn't have the slick center. Just on a tire of this yeah. size, the knob looks tiny. But my buddy at Wheat Ridge had some of these in twenty nine and they were insane. They're eighty five bucks a piece, but so my, I was going to start by saying, um, get anything that's like a slick touring tire. This would be super, super awesome. Mine's the G1 all around. Oh, well. The speed is a smaller knob, but that would be more appropriate for what he's doing. And also, when you have that size tire, he's going to have like a gajillion of those tiny knobs. So it's going to be like yeah. like cat's tongue. Like, yeah. Sk- I've been riding that one on the Ibis, and I, I really like it. Yeah, and they're really good tires. But the other thing that I'll say is... And I mean this not to be sappy, but just know that if you go to that event, one, I assume that Michael is fit um, in some way. Um, Two, I think that he's going to over worry about the mileage because road miles are going to come easy once you get a pair of nice fast rolling tires on the bike. And then three, if at any point during the ride, if you have a moment of darkness, I think that you know 
the cause you're riding for. Nothing that you're going through during that ride is comparable to the people that that ride benefits easiest day. So you're making me missed. Just fucking deal with it. (laughs) That's how I get all the dust out of the air in here. Just deal with it. I mean, you're riding for a cause that has a lot of people that have had a lot of issues and a lot of setbacks and have a very hard life ahead of them. Um, And you're going to have a pretty easy three days. I mean, if you can't knock down 70 road miles a day drafting off dudes on Domani's with stem extenders that sit straight up in the wind, then <laughs> you should sell all your mountain bikes, start shaving your legs, and become a roadie. Sure. You just said something really nice, and then you had to just polish it off by being an ass. Well, you know, I got to get back on brand. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, mm, I... I think we read this before. Finish line sealant? Yeah. It turns into green slime. He says, JRA team, I took a chance and started running finish. This is Kevin from the internet. Um, Oh, geez. I didn't write this down. Oh, gosh. Hold on one second. I'm screwing things up. You know, I'm trying. This is hard for me. Things are hard. Life is hard. She said that. I took a chance and started running finish line sealant back in March and switching from stands. Uh, so far, I've seen it seal a few punctures like any other sealant. The only time it didn't work was going through a pretty serious slice at the edge of the tread and the tire bead unseated after pressure loss. Oh, that's scary. Tires shouldn't unseat. Yeah. I, I stand by that. Tires should not unseat by themselves. Pretty sure I could have gotten it to seal with plugs if the tire had stayed on. From what I've seen, the sealant does form some thicker spots clumps in the tire but with the wheels spun up those spots distribute over the casing surface with enough sealant to take care of anything that happens as far as thickening and discoloring i did see that with a few tires i was too lazy to completely clean of orange seal residue the finish line was a little thick and had a reddish orange tint when i swapped tires after that with new tires or tires that i've taken the time to clean that didn't happen Sorry for the long-winded email i wanted to share my experience with the stuff i'm still waiting to see how it does with a serious cut who knows, might be back on Orange Seal before the end of the summer if Finish Line strands me in BFE, Kansas. Take care, Kevin. So, only thing I can really... Uh, two things. One, thanks for sending over those notes. Two, it sounds like it's going to have to screw you twice because it's already screwed you once. Yeah, you should carry um, carry a Dynaplug for stuff like that. And if you stick a couple of Dynaplugs into a hole and then it doesn't seal up, then the tire was trashed or your sealant sucks or whatever. But a Dynaplug is a good idea. Oh, my God. A customer did the most. And I say this adorable, not because it was a woman, not because she's an attractive woman. But this customer, I'm just not. You already dug your hole. No, I'm going to dig the hole. But then I'm going to tell you why I loved what she did so much. Yes, woman. Yes, attractive. She comes in. She has a flat tire. The tire's all the way flat. She couldn't get the tire off to seal it or to put a tube in. She said, so I did my best, and I stuck some Laffy Taffy on the outside. <laughs> Is that what was on that tire I took I off I stuck today? some Laffy Taffy on the outside and tried to air it up, and she laughs, and she's like, I didn't think it was going to work, but I just had to try. And I was like, that is adorable. Is that? The, yes. Like, okay, because I, I saw something on the tire, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it's it's because she was like, I tried this. I didn't think it was going to work. But it's like 
She is pretty cute. It's like when a little, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that she's childish, but it's like when a little kid does something, like, you know, like when a little kid has a plastic shovel and is like trying to help. Like, I feel like she felt like that when she did it. So it's just the best. <laughs> I didn't know what was on that tire. I thought it was like some kind of weird shit off the road or just something. I mean, I, I did I honestly, I, I saw something like a blob of yellowish stuff on the tire and I just took it off and put it in the garbage. Okay. So next up. Josh G, I don't know if we covered this, but uh, he said that D, uh, we were... I think we did talk about... We uh, can say it again since we... Uh, I'm new to the podcast, and there, therefore this is barely a compliment when I tell you I enjoy your show. I think we did talk about this. Yeah. Uh, I hate to nitpick, but I heard Andrew talk about DHF on the rear. Anyways, yeah, we'll go on. DHF and DHR means front and rear. According to Maxis. You when, got it. Yeah, because I said Maxis corrected, or I asked Max, Maxis on Twitter. Oh, and they, they answered for once, yeah. Yeah, and they actually answered because otherwise they have the worst customer service ever. So, um, Trey L says, I heard the question on the Touching Listener Show about a spot tracker replacement. While my suggestion isn't a direct replacement, it works for me. I use Find My Friends and app on an iPhone and send my wife my location until the end of the day. She can check in and see if I'm moving or not. Since GPS doesn't need cell service, I can be tracked in remote locations. I believe you can even send your location and then put it in airplane mode, which will conserve battery. But you'll need to send your location before you lose service. I don't think there's a communication feature or an SOS, but in a pinch, it tracks you and it's free. So there's a free option, but it only tracks that I know of. So there you go. Yeah, I've used Find My Friends before, and I know, like, on the iPhone, you can just hit, like, info on a text message, and it gives the location of someone, but they have to have phone service. So, my, someone else had sent me, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't remember who sent me the link to a, just an emergency beacon, which is just a thing you carry with you until you have an emergency and you need it. Um, I really like that idea. Matt doesn't like it quite as much, but I I like the emergency beacon because you just buy it and you just have it until you need it. Like you don't have to pay a subscription, and mainly that's it. Like you don't have to pay a subscription. You don't have to worry about anything. You basically just carry it with you, and I like that. And it you know that it does the most important function of giving you emergency help if you need emergency help. All right, so this is one I'm going to save for the show. And then the next one is, is that glitter in my orange seal from Gwen? Yes. There is some glittery type shit in your orange seal. And if you've never seen it, you don't shake your orange seal well enough. That one was so short, there's no way I'm going to get things written down. We're going to save this one for the show. Scott Hansen has two questions. For the whole number show. Yeah, I'm going to get Kenny in on those two. Uh, Scott says, I just found the show recently, going through all the previous shows, and I'm loving it. Two questions. One, it sounds like Matt and Andrea live in the same house in Salida. Are you guys dating? I'm just curious. Uh, well, Scott, the problem is, if I was dating Andrea, I couldn't rail your mom all the time. Two, more importantly, I'm looking at a new bike this year, possibly the Ibis Ripley LS. Question, should I spend my money on a build with better components like an X01 or go with the basic GX Eagle build but pay for the upgrade to carbon wheels? 
The aluminum wheels don't seem much heavier than carbon, a few hundred grams, and so expensive. Is it worth it? They have a few carbon options, Ibis with 36 tooth, 10 degree engagement, or I-9s, and he says 63 degree. Uh, That's mostly right. It's 30 teeth of engagement with two different out-of-sequence engaging systems, so you get a total of 60 points, but it's only 30 teeth in the drive ring, so... Not being nitpicky, I'm just clarifying for you so you understand better. If I'm getting the carbon wheels, is it worth it to pay for the i9 hubs? Thanks for the great show. I appreciate everyone's opinion. Scott from Park City. I'm going to answer number two, and then I'm going to go pet my dog because he's kind of restless. So I'm going to say I would get the GX build with the carbon wheels with the narrower carbon rim. That's what I would get. I wouldn't get the widest carbon rim. I would get the narrower carbon rim. And Did the i9 ones only come with the wide carbon rim? I don't know. So I, I was going to say, I really like... I was going to pet the dog, but instead, I'm going to go to Ibis's site. I love the i9 hubs because if you ride anything technical, they make a difference. Like Ooh. high engagement hubs really make a difference. If you ride technical stuff and you need to like throw in a ratchet pedal, you need... Basically, instant power versus power with like a slight delay. And I know that there are going to be some people that are like, get the fuck out. You know, you can still pedal through technical stuff with whatever 18 tooth DT star ratchets, but it makes a difference. Like if you ride one and then you ride the other, there there's a noticeable difference in your ability to get through and like put down power immediately. It's just they're really good. They're super high-quality hubs, too. Okay. So, I just went to the bike builder. You can get the 935 carbon hubs, or I-935, the narrower carbon rims with I-9 hubs. And you could also order that bad boy with DHF Wide Trail 2.5 tire instead of Knobby Nick 2.6s all day. Do that. I'm going to go pet the dog. What, What do I do? Talk about how good hubs are. Shit. Well, Matt's just leaving me here so he can go and pet his dog. Um, I-9 hubs. They're good. This is exciting. That's like the interlude where someone's kid is crying, but instead it was me just like making my dog get all nibbly real quick because he's the cutest dog ever. You're a jerk. Um, so Michael wants to know, um, Michael wants to know, Hey, thanks for the great episodes. It makes all the driving I do for work much more enjoyable with three exclamation points. I think Michael's trying to get in my pants. One question. Is it worth the extra nuggets for the specialized chisel one by comp? So what's a chisel chisel. Jeez. You know, reading is really hard. I love the show, and I made a donation today. Keep up the good work. We'll only recognize donations in full-numbered episodes. So um, he says his name is Mike, and he signed it happily married with two kids who someday probably will want to go to college. So what we have is two options. We have a chisel comp at 1600 It's 2 by 10 with a Shimano brake. I believe that's a Shimano brake. Uh, do, 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 Matt's reading the internet. Oh yeah. Real low end Shimano brakes. You can get a, and that's 1600 bucks. You can get a chisel expert one by for three fifty more 1950 
and you get one by 11. You get a Reba instead of a Judy. And your brakes are SRAM level TLs. So oh, that's good. Every, that's the one to go to. Every day of the week, you'll be so much happier. You took $350 and said, fuck you, kids. You can go to college a year <laughs> later, take a gap year, work at the fry shop, save I mean, save 350 your money. is like a half a summer course. 350 is like one textbook if they take anatomy and physiology. Exactly. So with that said, always... Or in this instance, definitely get the one by bike. It's way nicer. Yeah. So I'll put links to both of those up. Um, hey, hold, please. I have to write. See, normally Kenny and Andrea would be bantering still, and I could be writing. I wish I could do a really good Kenny impersonation so I could just pretend. Well, so I could impersonate Kenny and. Uh, ranch dressing is disgusting. And, uh, what uh, the fuck is his thing with ranch dressing? He, he doesn't, doesn't like, like it. He probably got waterboarded by ranch once and he just doesn't <laughs> like it now. So, uh, and then let's see. Jim Slattery says, Hello, I love the show. It makes my C470 commutes bearable. What oh, do you guys Lord, think about the Diamondback Release 5C? I don't know what I I've been obsessing and researching bikes, and the 5C's value seems unbeatable. My current steed is a 1998 Rocky Mountain Elevation hardtail, so it's time for an upgrade. Appreciate the input, or appreciate, just appreciate, Jim from Littleton. So what you get is, uh, it looks like you get Eagle, X01 Eagle 12-speed, 36 Performance Elite. You get a piggyback shock. You get a carbon crank. You get a chain guide. You get a dropper post. Get Ergon Grips. Get that DHF-DHR combo. For $4,400. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, homie. You'd be pretty out of your mind if you didn't buy this bike. Yeah, it- I mean, it's going to be way better than the bike you have now. So, yeah, it's not like we can tell you not to buy it. You know, it, it'd be nice if you went to a bike shop and you got a bike, but... Hey, shit! I ride a spot, and they don't sell those in bike shops. So shops. So shit. The other thing you can always do: Littleton's not far. We got demo bikes on sale. So yeah, we have some Yetis that are on sale for less yeah. than this, but they don't have the builds that these do. So um, yeah, you can't really go wrong. But I mean, I just don't know what five-year support for that bike looks like. That's the only thing I don't know. Every part on the bike is really good. I just don't know what five-year support on that bike looks like. And Well, it's probably not like the best suspension design either. Like It's not going to pedal quite as no, good as other No, the Diamondback bikes. is good. Um, what it is is, and I can't remember who, but some bike went open. Open, uh, open like, source. Yeah, it's a link bike. Like it has a dog oh, bone. Oh shit! Link. I see that. So, I mean, it's actually yeah. not going to be that bad. If I lost my bike shop job, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't buy one of these. I would just start running. I just <laughs> I couldn't afford bike stuff if I didn't work at a bike shop. But um, yeah, I'd say this bike's pretty hard to beat. I'll put a link of it up with the show. Um, what brakes does it have on it? Guides. Okay. Yeah, that's good. At first, they didn't really, they looked like some kind of like off series Shimano. I was going to say the brakes might be a little underpowered for what the bike does, but if they're guides, they, you got it. No, I mean, you get race face arc 30 rims, guide RS brakes, race face bar, ergon grips, uh, yeah. KS Lev Integra dropper post with a Southpaw remote, 
Damn. Uh, Performance Elite shocks. So for those of you that don't know, Performance Elite is pretty much factory, but no Kashima. So it's really hard to beat. It's got 130 millimeters of rear travel, 150 up front. I mean, it's pretty much You're an SB5. Yeah. So it's an SB5 lunch ride for 4400 bucks. Buy one. Tell me what you think about it. You haven't bought a bike in 20 years. Spend 4400 bucks. Yeah. Your it. dick is going to blow off. You're going to be riding and you're going to get home and be like, oh, my dick just fell off. The ride was so good I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, so with that, unless we want to read my spam report, I think we're done. All right. <clears throat> I I want to put a call out for uh, if you've made it this far in the episode, since we don't have Kenny and maybe it's a little more info than infotainment. Um, we're looking for people to cover really good songs so we don't have to pay actual artists for them. That's still illegal, though. If you cover a song... For commercial purposes. Well, I mean, like, if you cover a song and then want to, like, let us use your cover. Not legal. Really? Of course not. But it's not, not commercial. We don't get, like, I mean, people it's donate. definitely but... commercial. Ben makes money. Mountain Bike Radio makes money. All right. Well, never mind. You didn't say that when I said, hey, on this next episode, I, I should say. I thought I tried to explain it to you, and you didn't you never said anything about commercial not commercial whatever we can just cut this part out because yeah that's how no we leave it in that's how dirtwire gets around it cuz he still gets in trouble but then he's like actually i'm just using what someone else ripped off from you and you should really get onto those guys it's still a problem it's just a different problem i didn't think covering songs was illegal Like if you started your own band and the Vic paid you a hundred dollars to come in and put on a concert in their thing and in the in that span of time that you were getting paid a hundred dollars for, you covered a song. Yeah. Dirtwire gets around commercial licensing of nice music because they use covers and then it's the person that did the covers problem. Now, I don't understand it, but if I performed that song, that's probably one thing. And then when I do the song and someone uses it for commercial stuff, it becomes another thing. Well, if someone wants to cover Started From The Bottom, Now We Hear, and, Start then, get in, and then get in trouble for letting us use it. Started, started From The Bottom, Now We're Here. <laughs> um, yeah, and also... Maybe somewhere right around here at the end, there's going to be a little snippet from our test recording. Or so. you could just you could just take the song started from the bottom. Now we're here and adapt it to just riding along. You know, however you want to. <laughs> like started on blog talk. Now we're here. Yeah, something like that. We would use the shit out of it and post a link to your musician site every episode. And also, that's the scumbaggiest thing. Hey, make me something. I'll give you yeah, exposure. Yeah, make me something here for exposure. That is that is like a really shitty 
yeah, terrible we'll, thing on the internet. We'll totally scumbag you. Yep. So we'll give you some stickers. Yeah, I'll give you stickers and a hat. So and a water bottle. Yeah, I'll pee in it first though. <laughs> um, and with that, this is episode twenty-one point five, which is junk on it. All over it next Thursday, rubbing junk. <laughs> <laughs> so Thursday, we're rubbing junk. Get at me. Uh, thanks for listening. This was. The, the, the last seven minutes is just I'm a hot mess. Why you need a new bike as well? We take you to market to sell, bruh. Now you can afford the bike that you want, that job at the mall ain't pay you enough. Now she getting rough. You thinking that you need to sell all your stuff. When it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone to fucking shit up. You suck. Try to get a new head before you get a bike Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better Maybe then you make a cheddar instead of looking like a lame ass And if you get confused, you can ask J-R-A, get hip to the name Cause maybe the realest of you sucker is lame It is a shame But that's why you listen to J-R-A They teach you